Amen. Thank you all so much for that. What a blessing it is to know this evening that Jesus lives. Because he lives, we have hope. Can you say amen? amen? I love that song. What a blessing it is. Take your Bibles, please, and turn them to Revelation chapter 13. And we'll be looking at verses 11 through uh, 18 tonight. Last week, we began the 13th chapter of Revelation. Um, again, for those of you who are visiting this evening, we're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, straight through the book of Revelation, and um, we've been here quite a while, but that's okay. Um, we want to chew it till we get all the juice out of it, I think, is what uh, uh, Chuck Swindoll always says, and that's what we want to do. We want to get all we can, glean all we can from the precious truth of the Word of God. And we could still probably spend a whole lot more time over what we've already looked at. But um, in Revelation chapter 13, uh, last week we looked at the first 10 verses. Now, in those 10 verses, we found out that the Bible teaches one day there'll be a world leader that will come on the scene um, that will rule the whole world. He will rule the world politically. He will rule the world spiritually. spiritually and will all and will completely um, bring destruction to planet Earth. Uh, the Bible calls him many names, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, it calls him the son of perdition. Daniel called him the uh, prince which shall come, and the little horn in Daniel chapter seven that we looked at last Wednesday night, and Second Thessalonians chapter two and. Um, verse number 13, the Bible simply calls him the lie. And then we found in Revelation 13, 1, he's called the beast. Most of us know him um, as the Antichrist. And we find that in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 18. The Antichrist means that he is the opposite of Jesus and against everything that is of God. He is also called... If you remember in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 3, the man of sin. I was reading just this past week and one great writer put it like this. In Genesis, in the beginning, we all got into trouble because of the sin of man. Isn't that the truth? When man chose to disobey God in the garden, then we became spiritually separated from a God who is holy. And because of that, he sent his son to take the punishment for our sins so that we might be put in right relationship with himself. So in the beginning, in Genesis, we all got into a lot of trouble because of the sin of man. Now, in Revelation, during the Great Tribulation, the world will suffer because of the man of sin. Amen? And that's who we met last week in these first ten verses. The man of sin, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. And so tonight, we're going to finish, Lord willing, Revelation 13, verses 11 through 18. Um, and what I want to do first and foremost is just read that for you tonight. Then we're going to come back and look at some of the things that is in it. Now, listen what it says, starting with verse number 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Verse 13 says, And he doeth great wonders, 
so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwelleth on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the, be- the image of the beast should be killed. Verse 16 says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no ma- man might buy or sell, save he had that mark um, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, verse 18 tells us his number. He says, Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and the number is six hundred, three score, and six. Let's pray together. Father God, again we love you. We're so thankful, Lord, that you have allowed us to come and be a part of what you're doing right here in this place. Lord, I'm so thankful for those that are here, and I'm asking you right now, Lord Jesus, that you bless us with your presence. We need a fresh anointing, a fresh touch this evening that can only come by you, Holy Spirit. I'm asking for your power to be manifest in this place, that you speak to hearts and change lives. Lord, that you do what only you are capable of doing. Lord, I can preach truth, but only you can impart truth. And Lord, that's what I'm asking this evening, that you speak to me and you speak through me your words that go out to these people. And Lord, would you make it real to all of us? Father, we're praying tonight that you have your way and your will in these services. Lord, uh, would you do what only you can, and for these things we're going to give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. Now before we get into these verses of Scripture, I want to read to you something um, that Dr. Jeremiah says in his book, Escape the Coming Night, when speaking of, of Revelation chapter 13. This is so good. He says, The principle of reading and interpreting uh, the prophetic portions of the Bible is that every prophetic event casts its shadow. That means that while the event itself happens in a moment of time, there are shadows of that event which touch those who live prior to the event. I like that. For example, the seven-year period known as the tribulation will officially begin in a single moment with the rapture of the church. While the church will not be on earth to experience the difficult days of tribulation, the storm clouds of that period will gather long before it actually begins. The discerning believer, now let me ask you this, how many of you here tonight want to be a discerning believer? Knowing what God's word says and why it says it. We need the discernment of the Holy Spirit of God to interpret Uh, All the scriptures, especially the prophetic scriptures. He says the discerning believer will be aware of and watching for the shadows of future prophetic events. Now I love how he puts that. When he says that there'll be some storm clouds that will be evident um, prior to the coming storm. Now all of us, we really experienced that here in our part of the country this last weekend. Uh, I guess it was late Saturday night or early Sunday morning, Tropical Storm Nate hit the Mobile Bay in uh, the city of Mobile. Now, we all know all day Sunday, the storm clouds 
rolled into our part of the state as the storm moved northward. And it got cloudy all day Sunday, and uh, it was cloudy all day Monday. Uh, and then at my house, late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, it started thundering and lightning, and before you know it, we had an inch and a half of rain. And so, now I knew that was coming, and you all knew that was coming. How did we know it? Well, two days prior to the storm getting here, the storm clouds began to roll in. Now then, why is that important for us when we're looking at the prophetic scriptures that we see on the pages of the Bible? It's important for us because we know at any time the Lord Jesus could come back and rapture His church. As we've said many times before, we believe in the imminent return of Christ. Nothing else has to happen on the prophetic calendar for Jesus to rapture His church. If you believe that, say amen. Now then, if that's true, that means we could be right now only three years away, three and a half years away from the Great Tribulation or the events that we're going to be studying about tonight. Now if that's true... Maybe we can look in today's time and the day in which we live and already see some storm clouds that are arising. And I believe we can. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we study uh, these scriptures tonight. There is a storm coming. I believe there are some storm clouds on the horizon that all of us need to be looking for. All of us need to be keeping an eye open and, a, and, and our spiritual ears open and eyes open, ready to discern what's going on around us according to the scriptures of the Word of God. Now, I want us to see, first of all, in verse number 11, who this beast is. It says in verse 11, And I beheld, or I looked, and there was another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, this next beast that we're talking about is different from the first beast that was mentioned in Revelation 13. We know the first beast to be the Antichrist. This second beast that is mentioned in the 11th verse is the false prophet of the Antichrist. Let me say this to you. How many of you know tonight that God is creator God? Can you say amen to that? <laughs> that means God is all powerful, the sovereign God of the universe. He stood on nothing and created everything. God is as original as it comes. Let me tell you why. There's no one like him. There's no one beside him. There's certainly no one above him. God is the original in a class all by himself. God is original, but Satan, he's not original like God. God is the great creator. Satan is the great imitator. Amen. He imitates everything God does and everything God is because remember, his goal, what he wants more than anything else, is to receive the worship that is due uh, God Almighty. And so he imitates all God does and all God is. How does he do that? Well, first of all, he imitates him in his nature. Now, how many of you understand that God uh, is triune in nature? You understand what I mean by that? That God reveals himself to us um, in three persons. One God, three persons. Now we know that to be the Holy Trinity. And so let's think about that just a minute. What is the Holy Trinity? Three persons. First person being God the Father. Second person being God the Son. 
And the third person, the Holy Trinity, we know to be God the Holy Spirit. Good. Now, if Satan is the great imitator of God, all God is and all God does, Satan also has a Holy Trinity. And we're learning about that now as we're studying through Revelation 13. Now, we are, excuse me, did I say Holy Trinity? Let me back up. We can't call Satan's Trinity the Holy Trinity. Let's call it the unholy Trinity. Because we know he's certainly not holy. So the first person in the unholy Trinity, if the first person in the Holy Trinity is God the Father, the first person in the unholy Trinity would be who? Satan himself. He's described as the dragon. In Revelation 12. Now if the second person in the Holy Trinity is God the Son, who would be the second person in the unholy Trinity? Well, that would be the Antichrist. Or the beast that we learned about last week in the first ten verses. Now if the first person in the Holy Trinity is God the Father, and the first person in the unholy Trinity is Satan himself, the second person in the Holy Trinity is God the Son, and the second person in the unholy Trinity is the Antichrist. Then the third person in the Holy Trinity is who? God the Holy Spirit. Who would the third person be in the unholy Trinity? Well, it'd be the false prophet that we're learning about tonight that is being mentioned in the 11th verse, or the other beast that we've already talked about. Now, let's meet it. Look what it says. There's four things I want you to notice about the false prophet or the other beast. First of all, I want you to know that he is a servant of Satan. All right? Above everything else, that's who he is and that's what he does. Now, the Bible tells us two things in verse number 11 that I really want us to see. First of all, he tells us where he comes from. Look what it says. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, if you remember in Revelation 13, 1, the first beast, the Antichrist, he came up out of the sea. And we said last week that that sea stood for the sea of humanity. And I believe that when the Antichrist comes, he's going to come out uh, of the League of Nations that make up the re uh, revised Roman Empire, that ten-league nation that we talked a whole lot about uh, last week. And so... Um, when it says that this beast comes up out of the earth, what does he mean? Well, I, I looked, I really didn't get all that he was saying there. And I've read a lot of different commentaries this week. Most of them say, of men that I trust a great deal, they tell us that the earth there means the land. And the land probably stands for um, the nation of Israel. And so what they're saying is, is that more than likely the false prophet will be an apostate Jew. Now then, uh, I would tend to agree with that, seeing that it also gives what the beast looks like. It says that it appears as a lamb. Now, how many of you know Jesus is the true lamb of God? Can you say amen? 
Jesus is the Lamb of God without spot or blemish, and we know that Jesus came from the Jewish nation. And when it gives the appearance of this beast, it says it has two horns like unto a lamb. So I think it could be very possible that this false prophet would be an apostate Jew who turns his back on God and serves Satan uh, for the worship of the Antichrist. It tells who he is, or excuse me, where he comes from. He comes from the land, but it also says what he looks like. It has two horns or appears like a lamb. Now what I think that's talking about there is not only that he could be a um, a apostate Jew coming from the land of Israel, but I also think it may be saying that he would appear innocent. He would appear as one who is harmless. He would appear as one who is gentle. But we know that's not the case, for it says in the last part of verse number 11, he speaks as a dragon. Now, do you remember what Jesus said about what a man speaks if you remember, I think it's in the book of Matthew, maybe about the 13th chapter, Jesus is speaking unto the Pharisees. And he said, out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. Amen. Uh, Dr. Johnny Hunt says it like this, and I really like how he puts it. He said, what's ever down in the well, it's going to come up in the bucket. What he's saying is, whatever's on the inside is going to come out through the mouth. And so what the Bible is telling us here is that even though this false prophet is going to appear like a lamb, harmless and kind uh, and, 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 and one that could be trusted, what he's really going to be like is like the dragon because that's what lies deep down on the inside. That's why he speaks as Satan himself. The, out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. So first of all, we need to notice in verse 11 that he will truly be a servant of Satan himself. But not only do we need to see that, I also want you to know he will be a worker of worship. This is what he does. Look at verse 12. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Let me tell you a misconception about Satan that sometimes we all fall in uh, we all fall into. A lot of people believe that Satan is against worship. Let me say something to you. Nothing could be further from the truth. Satan is all about worship. Satan loves worship. He just wants worship coming his way. Amen. He wants worship done that is pleasing unto him. Let me prove it to you. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And let's look down at two, three verses here, verses 13 through 15. This is a warning to the believer, a warning to the church that I think we need to take note of. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, starting with the 13th verse. For such are false prophets. And I want to tell you something. The head honcho, as far as false prophets go, is the one that we're studying about tonight in Revelation chapter 13. And the Bible's fixing to tell us what a false prophet is like. The Bible says that they, do, they are deceitful workers. Watch what it says. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now what's that mean? They lie and they use deceit to transform themselves to appear to be something that they are really not. They appear to be righteous. They appear to be godly. 
They appear to be something that they're really not. Now that's not, we shouldn't be surprised at that because Satan himself does the same thing. Look at verse 14. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. I want you to know something. When the false prophet comes, he's not going to come looking hideous. He's not going to come looking scary. He's not going to come looking demonic. He's going to look kind and righteous and holy and everybody's going to want to trust him. Why? Because of the deceitfulness of the, of the, of the liar, the original liar, Satan himself. Look at verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his, if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. So I want you to understand and know when the false prophet comes upon this earth, um, he will be a worker of worship. False worship, worship not pleasing unto God, but worship that would be pleasing unto Satan himself. Uh, he's not against worship, and I want you to know Satan is not against religion either. Let me read to you something I read this week uh, that uh, Adrian Rogers said. He said, most Americans don't uh, need religion. They need to turn from religion and turn to Jesus. Satan is not against worship, and Satan is not against religion. Uh, he's all for those things as long as it's going his way. All right? And so uh, that's what we see here with the false prophet in, uh, in Revelation chapter 13. He will be a servant of Satan according to Revelation 13, 11, but he'll also be one who worships or a worker of worship and leads worship for the Antichrist in verse number 12. So listen to me. The false prophet will do for the Antichrist what the Holy Spirit does for Jesus. Do you remember what the Bible says in, uh, in John chapter number 14 and also in John chapter number 16 that when the Holy Spirit comes that he will testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will speak the word of Jesus. Can you say amen? Well now listen to me. The false prophet's going to do the same thing for the Antichrist. What the Holy Spirit does the false prophet will do the other way um, for the Antichrist himself. Now, not only will he be a servant of Satan and a worker of worship, he will also be a master of miracles. Look with me in Revelation chapter 13 down to verse number 14. Excuse me, verse number 13. And it says, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, do you remember what we saw when we saw the two witnesses back in Revelation chapter 11, that they too would be able to call down fire. So here you have Satan counterfeiting what God has already done. But now let me say something to you. Something that you need to realize here, you must realize that we need to get a hold of as believers today is that Satan has power. I want you to know that. And I want you to know that Satan can even do signs and wonders. And I believe he does signs and wonders even today. I believe that with everything in me. We had the privilege years ago of going down to Haiti on a mission trip. And as many of you know, Haiti years ago, their leaders dedicated that land to Satan himself. I mean, they made that public. They decreed that among all the people. The national religion in Haiti is voodoo or the worship of demons. It is said that in Haiti, um, about 85% of the people are still practicing voodoo regularly. Now I want to tell you, I've seen God doing a fantastic work in Haiti. 
I've seen people getting saved and churches being planted and communities being changed by the power of God. I want to tell you something, folks. Light, light always shines darkest or brightest in the, in the greatest dark. Where, where it's most dark, light always shines the, the brightest. And that's what I've seen in Haiti. But I want you to know, there is an oppressive spirit in Haiti like I have never experienced before. And when I was talking with Brother Frank Williams, the missionary that we went with down there, he said something I'll never forget. He said, we have seen by the power of Satan, miracles take place. These people have seen that. Through the worship of uh, of, of Satan and, 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 and the demonic forces that are alive and well in that country, they've seen healings take place through the power of Satan. Now, we shouldn't be surprised at that. Let me tell you why. Do you remember when Moses came before Pharaoh and he had the staff in his hand and he threw down the staff? What happened to it? We know that, it, yeah, but it, 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 turn, it turned into a, into a serpent, into a snake. But then what did the magicians of Pharaoh do? They threw down their staffs. They turned to snakes as well. Why? Because Satan does have power. But then you remember what happened? The serpent of Moses ate the serpent of, of the magicians of Egypt. Now what's that tell you? God has supreme authority. God has supreme power, but don't fool yourself into thinking, child of God, that Satan do, does not have power also because he does. Dark power, demonic power, but it is at work in this world and it will certainly be at work during the time of great tribulation to the point that the false prophet will be able to call down fire from the heavens. That amazes me. Now, what is the purpose of that? Well, if you are seeing this man preaching, singing the praises of the Antichrist on, the na on your national uh, television, your, your national news on television, and he all at once calls down fire from heaven, a lot of people at that time, because of signs and wonders, will believe upon him. They will go the way of the Antichrist. And by that time, if he's doing all that stuff, calling down fire from heaven, like we're fixing to see in a minute, causing the image of the Antichrist or the statue that's set up to, for the worship of the Antichrist, when he causes it to speak, he'll have no trouble into convincing anyone to follow him. That coupled with the strong delusion that the Bible says God's going to send upon the earth at that time, Folks, the whole world will turn to the worship of Antichrist through the preaching of the false prophet, through the signs and wonders of the false prophet. Let me ask you this. Why is it so important that we trust in the word of God rather than signs and wonders? Why do you think that is? Yes, what would you say? Amen. Yes, ma'am. It certainly is. We want to trust in truth. Let me tell you why. Because Satan, too, can do signs and wonders. I have a problem with miracle mongers. Don't you? Those that are always looking for the miracle. Now, let me say something to you, folks. I want you to know, my God is still in the miracle working business. 
He can still do what he wants, when he wants, with whom he wants, and he don't need my permission. But I want you to know this. Listen, a lot of people, when Jesus walked upon the face of the earth, when he was here in his earthly ministry, they commit, completely missed Jesus altogether because all they wanted to see was the signs and wonders. All Jesus was to them was the next sideshow on the corner. And they missed truth that could have changed their life for an eternity all because they were searching for signs and wonders and not the truth of the Word of God. So we've got to be very careful about that. Very, very careful. And during the time of great tribulation, I believe the world will turn to worship of the Antichrist because of the signs and wonders that they see from the false prophet. I think that's what we're seeing right here. So he will be... Um, a master of miracles. Let's go on and look what else. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. Now, I don't know what all that means there, but I, I do believe um, there will, uh, the Bible is teaching that, and I believe it's going to happen in Jerusalem. I believe there'll be an, uh, a statue set up for the Antichrist so that all the ones who want to worship him can come to a central place and, and, and there worship the Antichrist um, at the preaching of the false prophet. And the Bible says the false prophet will make the, the, uh, the image be able to both speak um, and it will cause many as would not worship the image of the beast. They said the, the ones that won't worship, they'll be killed. Now look at verse 16. And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. So what have we seen? We know that according to verse 11, he'll be a servant of Satan. We know according to verse 12 that he will be a worker of worship. He's not against worship. He just wants worship his way. But he will also be a master of miracles. He's going to call down fire from heaven. He's going to cause the image to actually be able to speak in an animate, lifeless image. Uh, somehow is going to be able to speak by the dark power of Satan. But we also need to see he's going to control all the commerce upon planet earth. Now let me ask you something. Years ago, and, and not so many years ago, this would have been very, very hard for us to believe that the commerce of the world could be controlled by one man from one central location. Would you agree with that? I mean, that was unheard of even when uh, I was a little boy. And, and that ain't been that long ago. But I want you to know, now I can certainly see how this could take place very easily. Couldn't you? I, I really could. The Bible says that he's going to put a mark on all those who follow the Antichrist, who bow down and worship him. And without that mark, you'll not be able to buy or sell. Now I want to talk about the mark just a minute. What is that mark? Well, again, that mark, um, he, the false prophet is doing for the believers of the Antichrist what the Holy Spirit does for the believers in Jesus. How do you know the Bible teaches in the book of Ephesians? I love this. You ought to love this as a believer. The Bible says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. <laughs> the Bible says that it becomes the earnest, the, 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 the down payment on the hope we have in Jesus. The Bible says it's by the Holy Spirit of God that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen. Let me give you the picture. 
In that day, the Roman emperor would take his signet ring. He would melt some hot wax. He would place his ring in that hot wax. And then if he had a document that had to be delivered or a document that was to be turned into law, he would take that signet ring and he would place it upon that document. And if it had the Roman seal, then everybody knew that's the way it was going to be. Amen. What, what, what he said went. Now the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has now become our seal. It, listen, he has now put a mark on us. Can you say amen? The seal of God, and I want you to know something. The seal of God lasts for all eternity. Now, according to Revelation 13, you're either going to receive during that time the seal of the Savior because we know there'll be those who'll be saved or you will receive the seal of Satan. Now let me ask you this. How strong would the temptation be if you were alive during the Great Tribulation and you couldn't buy or sell anything? You couldn't buy water to drink or food to eat or sell the goods that you had to make money for your family. You couldn't do anything as far as money goes unless you had the mark of the beast. How tempting would it be for a father to take the mark so his children could eat? How tempting would it be for a mama to take the mark so that she could put food on the table and clothes on her family's back? And I hear these people talk about, well, you know, if you can get saved during the great tribulation, I'm just going to wait till then to get saved. Well, if you won't trust in Jesus now and it costs you nothing, what makes you think you'll trust in him then and it's going to cost you everything, even your life? And so again, I, I just got to keep saying, the more I study the book of Revelation, the more I continually see today is the day of salvation. If you need Jesus, trust him now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't put your eggs in that basket because I don't think that um, it's going to work out too good. So, I was just thinking this evening, every baby that is born in this country is given a social security number. And that number goes with that baby all its life. I've got one, you've got one. And it's with that number that the government can keep track of pretty much everything about you. Where you live, what you do, how much money you make, how many kids you have, everything. We know that because of a, I very seldom even now carry any cash with me. You're not going to see me with cash. Usually I, usually, if I have cash, I'll spend it. But if I have a, uh, my debit card, I, I, I don't tend to use it as much. So usually what I keep with me is a debit card. And, and so I can just hand that over anytime I need to hand that over. Um, and, and we're pretty much already living in a cashless society. A lot of people don't even deal with cash anymore. And so what we used to think was impossible has now become a reality. 
It's kind of like those storm clouds that Dr. Jeremiah was talking about. They're already rolling in, warning us of the storm that's coming. Right now, you know, when you go to the um, grocery store and you pick up your groceries and you get to the cash register, what do they have on the back of every, every uh, package of food or every can of beans that you buy? It's got that barcode, a UPC code. And that's going to, every time you scan that, that'll tell you what that item is, what it cost. It'll tell you where it come from, when it was bought. Tells you all that. Now, if they can do that for a can of beans, what would keep them from doing it to you and I with a mark on your, on your forehead or a mark on your hand? Well, nothing. I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that. Sure have. So, so what I'm trying to say is we're already seeing these things being tested and come to pass even in our day. So it's not a stretch to see what the Bible is talking about here in Revelation 13. Now, look at verse 18 and we're going to close. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man and his number is 603 score um, and, 60, and, and 6. So we know it's 666. We know that in the book of Revelation, numbers count, right? We saw that time upon time upon time. We know that uh, the number of God is 3. We know the number of completion, God's perfect work, is 7. We know the number of a man is 6. Amen? We've seen that as we have already studied. Now what does the number 666 mean? Well, I'll tell you what I think it means. I think it's the number of man, the number six, that's been put together three times, which is the number of God, which means that man has made himself God. And that is the Antichrist. Man making himself God in this earth to receive worship that only God should receive. Now, what's it going to be? Is it be a computer chip or a, some say it's going to be a tattoo. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. But I do know this, it's coming. And um, I'm thankful. I've got the mark of the Holy Spirit. And I don't have to worry about the mark of the beast. I just praise Jesus for who he is and what he's done. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds and neither do you, but praise the mighty name of Jesus, I know who holds tomorrow. Amen. I know we're still in control. Amen. And for that we can be thankful. Anybody got anything, comments or questions?